this is Michael Bosey. Welcome to episode, what, 95 of Marketing Without the Marketing. Hope you all had a nice holiday weekend for Memorial Day. It was good to take a little break, but now I'm back at it. Now, last week was a big week for me, and I have an announcement for you, which I'm going to save till near the end of this episode because it actually relates to what I'm talking about today. And um, in the middle of this series, as you know, uh, which is, you know, these sort of counterintuitive lessons that I've learned from doing content strategy and have been able to apply to running my business. Uh, And today, let's jump right in. I'd like to talk about what you put in versus what you get in return when it comes to your business. And here's my take. If every transaction has to be quid pro quo, the world is going to move at a very slow pace. And this right here is why I resist the concept of ROI, return on investment. Now, I know it's a hallmark of the business world, uh, maybe its most venerated metric. Uh, and that stands to reason, right? You make an investment, get that investment back plus something, right? That's business in a nutshell, right? Well, sure. But do you only measure these things that you get back in money? To me, if you do that, you're selling yourself short. And in my opinion, you're also leaving a lot of money on the table. Now, I learned this from content marketing. And look, this type of counterintuitive lesson, I think, can only come from living it in running my own business. And I want to share that lesson with you today. Now, you just have to do one thing for me. As you listen, suspend disbelief for just 10, 15 minutes or so while I make my case against traditional ROI. And I know I lost some of you right there, I'm sure, right? I'm sure you're saying, Michael, this is the cornerstone measure of business success. You can't seriously be telling me not to pay attention to ROI. All right. Fair enough. I'm not telling you not to pay attention to it, but just that maybe it's not as important as you think it is, or at least that there's more to it in today's consumer behavior. And this is what I've learned from doing content marketing. And look, if you're still with me, great. Then maybe we got rid of all the traditionalists. Maybe they left the room. Maybe they thought that's ridiculous, Michael. I'm not going to listen to you here, but this is great. Now it's just us, a smaller more intimate group who want to do business in a different way. Cool. You guys are my favorites anyway, so let's get into this then. Now, ROI is too simple to be an accurate measure. I would even call it simplistic. It functions as sort of a snapshot of right now, which is kind of the central problem that I have with it, right? As business owners, we need a picture of right now. You know, how much have you spent year to date? What's your gross revenue year to date? These are important metrics, but they're also very limited. Because when you pull back and look at the big picture, the snapshots only tell you one facet of the story. And if you made every decision based on right now, that would be disastrous, right? You'd be going from point to point, shifting whim to whim, and, and your path would probably zigzag into oblivion. Now let's apply this to content strategy. The performance of one blog post is not the only indicator of your content strategy on the whole. Maybe you had a hit this week, or maybe your audience didn't show up at all, right? Low turnout happens to the best of us, but it's still just a snapshot. It's not the whole picture. So 
let's learn from that snapshot and make adjustments, right? As I always say, you want to treat your content strategy like an experiment. I'm devoting an entire episode in this series to what I call marketing and the experimental mindset. You introduce a stimulus, you isolate a variable, you observe, and then you iterate based on what you learned. Great. It's the same thing for ROI. Take these as indicators, just not the whole picture. Now, I get this in the form of skepticism sometimes, right? When prospective customers come to me with the question, well, how can we measure the ROI of content marketing? I got to say, that's always a red flag to me. It says to me that you put too much import into this snapshot. Content marketing takes a long time. You're not going to see results right away, so ROI is just not the right metric. Now, in old-style marketing, you measure awareness, right? How many people saw an ad? How many people did the ad get served to? What's the period it ran? Can we measure an uptick in click-throughs during that time, right? Were they the right customers? Now, that's all great, and let me be clear, it can be valuable. But awareness is fairly easy to measure and to calculate. You got them to click. Congrats, they're now on your site. So what happens next? Did they do something on your site? How long did they stay? Did they read an article of yours? What page did they exit from? All these are important indicators. And again, none of these are going to give you the whole picture, but you can learn a lot about your audience by looking at these data. But if we only relied on these little data points, my contention is that we'd make some pretty bad decisions. If you optimize for the click at the expense of everything, you get clickbait, listicles, and other cheap content ploys. Worthless, total waste of time. You optimize for site time, and you get those, you know, annoying 12 ways to do something or other articles that are delivered in 12 individual pages, each one that you have to click, right? And you know why they do this, right? Yay, we got 12 clicks. All it cost us was our entire user experience and trust. Total garbage, uh, articles like that and sites who, who are purveyors in that type of uh, that type of deception. Sure, I'll call it deception. Now, if you optimize for reducing site exits, you get those irritating pop-ups that beg you not to leave or, or to sign up or be put on an email list and get spammed into oblivion probably for 50 years after you're in the grave. And it just shows you the hazards of measuring the wrong things. If you measure the wrong pieces of data, you end up making bad decisions. But instead of optimizing for the click or for site time or for reducing site exits, shouldn't we optimize for trust instead? Shouldn't we optimize for customer loyalty? Shouldn't we optimize for advocacy? Isn't that a better way to run your business? I mean, look, you need sales, don't get me wrong, but my contention and what I've learned from content marketing is that trying to unlock the power of advocacy helps you sell more with less effort or at least less pushiness or less ickiness. Your customers actually do the selling for you. Your audience actually brings you more audience. So what if we made decisions based on earning trust instead that makes you do different things, right? It makes you be in it for the long game, which is the topic of next week's episode. I'm going to spend a bunch of time on that. But now you're not going for short-term awareness or just going for the sale, going for the click. 
And it might not bump up your ROI today, but it will do good things for your business down the road. In other words, it'll pay off as long as you take the long view. And here's the thing. Trust changes everything. Instead of ROI, you should be doing everything that you can to get to what I call the threshold of trust. And there are only two things that get you to that threshold of trust. One, what others say, and two, what you do. So the first one, what others say, meaning word of mouth recommendation, uh, these are so valuable when they're given willingly without an incentive to do so. Helps a lot if the recommender has credibility, right? A, tr a trusted friend, a family member, a colleague, whatever. But even a word of mouth recommendation from a complete stranger, uh, uh, think of like an online review such as Yelp, for instance, is quantifiably more valuable than anything you can say about your own business in an ad or press release or, you know, any other outbound form of marketing. And then there's what you do, right? You're not powerless in this dynamic, right? You show up consistently with content that genuinely helps your customers before they're actually your customers. Inform, inspire, educate, enlighten, or entertain. Uh, whatever you do, you kind of do something for them, solve a problem for them over and over until you are seen as the authority. And you don't have to sell yourself directly, when the customer's ready to pay for a solution, you will be her natural go-to. Why? Because it's easy to see you in the job because you've already assumed the role. And funny how this exact same thing works when doing business in general. When I give advice to my students who are going into the working world, I say the same thing. Just whatever role you want, if you've got an internship or whatever, just start doing the job that you want then it's easy for your manager to see you in that position. The same thing works in content marketing. And here's the thing. Trust doesn't need to be absolute. It just needs to be enough to earn a small transaction, right? Then a little bit more for the next transaction and so on. But trust is a critical component to running our businesses, you and me as small players, right? In fact, you might say that it's the only component. You know, that's a big statement, but look, I don't really care about ROI, to me, it's the wrong measure. And look, the evidence of that is if I did, I wouldn't spend hours producing this podcast or blogging or writing on Medium or whatever. I do it because I love to create a useful resource that can help people. I love being able to point small business owners or folks who I meet randomly or whatever who say, hey, I'm having trouble with my marketing. Well, great. Look, I've got 100 episodes of free help on content marketing for you so that you can learn these techniques from me. Yeah, sure, it's in a general sense. You still gotta do all the applying it to your own business, but here, here's this, this resource of 100 episodes. I love having that and having that available for folks. All right, and that brings me to my announcement. Um, I sort of kept you in suspense from the very beginning, but uh, you in my podcast audience are gonna be the first to know this. So last week on June 1st, I launched my first online course. I've been working on this thing for two full years. So as you can imagine, I'm really psyched about it. It's called Create Biz. And I've made reference to it here and there throughout the podcast. But I did this course in partnership with Dave Kusek, who was the founder of Berkeley Music Online. And this course is for writers, musicians, and visual artists who are small business owners just like you and me, but just like you and me, they often struggle with marketing. 
So Dave and I set out to help with that and teach them content marketing, how to set up their website properly for SEO, how to run a blog, how to optimize social media, and most importantly, how to get an email strategy together, complete with marketing automation and, and everything. Now, this course is 42 video modules, ton of content with dozens of worksheets, templates, checklists, uh, and guided assignments to help creatives get focused and efficient in building an audience. Sort of the next step beyond this podcast. Now, we just did a sort of soft launch on June 1st, and I'm making a special offer to listeners of this podcast, a 50% discount for charter members. We're going to run this offer uh, until we hit the first 300 students um, as sort of the, you know, the charter members. Now, to get the discount, you got to go to createbiz.com slash MWM for marketing without the marketing to get that discount. And I left a link in the show notes for you to make it easy for you. So, okay, I'm excited about this. Yes, but how does this relate to ROI? Well, my goal with this course was only to help people. Now, yes, I'd like to make some money from it. But like I said with this podcast, I like having this valuable resource for people. I wanted this sort of midpoint product, a way to help people that lies somewhere in between the free general help that I offer in my podcast here and the, you know, expensive uh, one-to-one access, which is my client work. So for something that's only a few hundred dollars, it's a reachable price for artists and they get concerted help specific to their needs. And, you know, for those that think it's not worth a hundred bucks, they have this podcast for free and I'm going to keep doing this week by week. The course to me just helps them accelerate beyond this general help. Now, in producing this course, I didn't do it for the ROI. I put over two full years of effort in. Dave and I wrote over 100,000 words of video scripts, shot and produced the video lessons, wrote all the worksheets and assignments, and designed complex marketing sequences with additional content, all of that. And if we did it just for the return on investment, you'd think we were crazy. I I don't know if this will ever actually pay off and be worth it against that time investment, but that's not why we did it, right? We did it because we were sick of seeing good artists fail when it comes to marketing. And we thought we can help with that. So we did. But let's face it, you know, when it comes to running a business, you know, this is not for everyone, right? For those folks who left the room at the beginning of this episode, the ones who laughed at me when I said, oh, don't pay attention to ROI or at least minimize it. I think for those folks, honestly, life gets harder and maybe it's worth it. Maybe speed is a requirement for you. Maybe you've got VCs breathing down your back for a return. Venture funded businesses might laugh this concept off, right? It's a luxury to be able to wait for organic growth to pay off. I get that. And channels that require this sort of hand-to-hand combat might feel the same way. Uh, But here's the thing. Even if you think content marketing is not going to work for you in outreach, I would still contend that having content as a part of a content strategy is immensely valuable. I mean, why wouldn't you want to have a set of content that supports your business goals, makes you ready to answer your most common customer questions, and positions you as a knowledgeable player in your sector, right? Why wouldn't you want to build up enough trust that people actually see you as the go-to? Now, to me, that's, you know, the expression building a moat. It takes time. It's difficult. I know. And that's exactly why it's so valuable. So as I always say, you know, get out there, build value, keep going and outlast them all. When you're building this type of resource, 
good luck to your competitors trying to catch up to you. And it's all possible. It really is. I teach it right here on this podcast. I help my clients do it every day. And they, my clients, they're setting themselves apart every week, creating more distance between themselves and their closest competitors. And you can do this too. And I know some of this is counterintuitive, but it works. The nuances matter, but it's really, really that simple. All right, I'll stop there because I feel like I've gone on a little longer than I wanted to. But as always, I really appreciate you, your attention, and I'll be back with you next week. Like I said, I'm going to get into uh, being in it for the long game. I want to spend a little bit more time unpacking that next week. So until then, thank you very much.